0: This morning, we are observing and celebrating Candlemas, which is the feast of of the presentation of Christ in the temple. This was a custom done among the ancient Jews in obedience to a law in Leviticus, which talks about the family, particularly the mother, bringing the child that has just been born after a 40-day waiting period, coming to the temple and presenting the child to the Lord offering thanks and asking for God's blessing. Now, when I was a little kid back in Diocese of Dallas, I really enjoyed most of the feast days that we celebrated in the church. They, they taught me things, they excited me, certainly Christmas. Of course, as a little kid, although I was often excited about Christmas for non-religious, more secular gift kind of reasons. But still, the baby, the wise men at Epiphany, it was exciting, the resurrection, the glorious impossible. And many of the stories about the saints, the adventures they did, the things that they had accomplished. But then you come to something like the feast of the presentation of Jesus in the temple. And kind of the vision I had as a little kid was Mary and Joseph got up one morning and got all dressed up to go to church and brought the baby in and said here thank you and I just couldn't get my teeth into that you know it wasn't something that that really I related to one of the things that I considered a blessing in my real youth in kindergarten and elementary school up through high school I had a lot of teachers around me, priests, nuns, monks, Sunday school teachers, good Christians like my parents, who had a way of kind of taking things that seemed old, ancient, and remote and making them relevant to my life today. And one of them concerned things about the Virgin Mary, when Mary did things. Mary wasn't talked about much in the churches where I was raised, although in most of the parishes the people I knew said the rosary, lit candles in prayer, this sort of thing. But Mary, in a sense, was a little bit like the altar. We didn't talk about it because it's just accepted. It's part of the faith. It's there. But if you walked in one day and somebody had taken it, we'd talk about it. (laughs) They would tell me things like, with the presentation of Christ in the temple. What had happened to Mary? An angel of the Lord had come to Mary and said, Hail, highly favored, you are blessed among women and the Lord wishes to do great things for you. And Mary responded very simply. She said, I am the complete obedient servant of the Lord. May it be done to me according to what God says. And in her becomes the Christ child. For nine months, this mysterious being grows inside her womb, until literally after nine months, it comes forth from her and into the world. Now, Mary cannot possibly understand the glory of what she is carrying. She cannot possibly reveal what this is going to mean to the whole creation but she trusts God and she says, may that which you wish to accomplish come and grow in me that I might share it out into the world. And then the priest would say to us something like the, to the children, now listen kids, it's the same with you in a lot of ways. Through scripture, through your baptismal vows, through the example of the adults around you, through the prophets, in so many ways God has said to each of you, Hail, highly favored, God wishes to do wonderful things for you. Christ is knocking at the door of your heart, asking to come in. Let him come in and let him grow and multiply in your heart and in your soul. Be part of that so that not after nine months, but every moment of your life, that growing, budding, blossoming love of God called Christ may issue out from you into the world to be shared with your brothers, your sisters, with everyone. Well, as a little kid, I couldn't quite understand all of that, but I did like the idea that God wanted to use me in some wonderful way and that Christ could be more than a friend, The way I looked at it was, I used to hear the adults talk about, ah, Joe and Sally, they've been married for 50 years. And you know, it's hard to tell them apart after 50 years. They've just grown to be so much alike. And I could think of, if I love God that much, and he lets the Christ come into me, perhaps we will develop that same kind of closeness. Perhaps the day might actually come when I would be very much like Jesus Christ. Not become him, but become like his life. The earliest term that was used for Christians was not Christian. It was followers of the way. Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the life. And he said, follow me. And of course, his his disciples understood when he said, follow me, he didn't mean get in line and march after me, going to Bethlehem or Nazareth or wherever it may be. What he meant was, follow my example. Do what I have done. We can become what he has become in the world through his transforming love. And you know, <clears throat> Christianity is not so much a transactional kind of religion, it is a relationship religion. It's hard for us to fathom, but literally in the scriptures, in the coming of Jesus, as Hebrews tells us today, to become as one of the brothers and sisters, to share our life with us. In all of this, God is saying to us, my people, I'm in love with you, and I am inviting you to fall in love with me. Now, how do I fall in love with God, the transcendent, the one whose presence I would not even know about had he not revealed it? Well, I'm 75 years old. I didn't grow up with computers, but I love all that stuff, and I'm one of those people who makes a mistake of, oh, if I just get this add-on to my electronic uh, system, that's going to make me happy. That's going to make me fulfilled. And then it arrives from Amazon and I open it up and I pull it out and I read the instructions in that tiny little fine print that I have to get a magnifying glass. And after I read all of it, I can't understand how it works. And then one of my friends says, there's a YouTube video that explains it. So I go to YouTube and I turn it on and I'm sitting there going like, all right, I've got this whatchamacallit that's got a thing of the bob on the top. And it says that it's supposed to go down, over, and up, and turn, and then it'll work. But I can't get it to. So I watch the YouTube video, and there's a person who looks just like me, a human being, and he says, "Here's what you do: put the whatcha'ma call it in your right hand, take your left hand and hold the thingamajig on the top, push it down, move it over, pull it up, and turn it." And I do that, and I go, "When somebody was standing there and showed me." I could do it. Jesus Christ has come from his throne of glory into our midst, into our hearts, into our lives to show us how to make the thingamajigs and thingamabobs and whatchamacallits, how to make them work by example. He has shown us when someone hates you, how to respond in love. When someone hurts you, how to forgive. When someone does evil, how to show mercy and you know, <clears throat> I found out early in life, I was pretty good, not always, but pretty good about showing forgiveness and mercy and love. Where I had problems was I had a lot of trouble accepting that God could do the same to me, that he could love me and show me mercy. God on his throne, look at him up here in these windows, all the glory and everything. How do, how do I relate to that? And yet he comes in Jesus Christ to say, well, let's start with, this is Jesus talking, let's start with, I'll come to your house tonight and have dinner with you. We'll break bread, maybe talk a little politics, talk about what's going on in the neighborhood, see how the kids are doing. We will form a relationship. We will come to love each other. That's absolutely remarkable when you stop and think about it. Sometimes I will think, okay, I want to get sin out of my life, I want to take the things that are holding me back and get rid of them, I want to take the new things that are good for me and bring them into my life, but I'm worried that if I make a mistake or if I don't do it right, is God going to punish me? I grew up in part of Texas, which was real Bible Belt, and there was a lot of punishment being talked about in, in that area. Well, let me share with you a story from the Desert Fathers. These were the people back in the four, five, six hundreds in the early church who were the sort of forerunners and founders of our monastic movements and convents and monasteries today. And according to one of the stories, there's a group of them living out in the desert, some in huts, some in caves. They're guarded over by a father abbot, the superior of their group. And one day several of the monks come to the father abbot and they say one of the brothers is breaking the rules. We have seen him sneaking a woman into his hut at night and we can only imagine what's going on in there after the lights go off. We want you to, she's there right now, she's in there with him right now and we want you to come and catch him. So the father abbot says all right let's go, they go, they go to the hut, they all go in. In this hut, there's some straw on the floor with a blanket on it to sleep on. There's a little tiny wooden table with a two leg, a three legs and a little stool. And there is a large wicker basket about this big around, about this tall. The only place in the hut where it would be possible for a woman to hide. So the father abbot comes in and immediately sits on top of the wicker basket so that nobody could remove the lid. And he says, search the hutch. Well, they're all kind of surprised, so they go over and one of them looks under a leaf that blew in the door and one of them looks under a book that's lying on the table. No woman here. And they're all staring at the wicker basket. But nobody's going to go up to the father rabbit and say, get off the basket. we got to search that. So after they go through their little search all around, the father abbot says, did you find anyone? And they said, oh, no. And he says, you may leave now. They go out. And here's the monk that had brought the woman in and knows she's in that basket. And he's waiting now that everybody's left except for the father abbot to take the lid off and punish him and the woman for what has happened. Instead, he gets off the top of the basket, walks to the door, turns around, looks at the monk and says... Pay attention to yourself, pay attention to yourself. The abbot knows there's nothing wrong with having a love relationship with a woman, but there is a place for that in the village or in the town. This is a monastic community. And to have those special love relationships pull you away from that community. So pay attention to yourself and think about what I'm doing. What kind of effect does this have on my life and the life around me? In other words, the Father Abbot was trying to say, God is not judging you to condemn you. God is helping you search your heart to find out what is good in here, what is bad in here, what works, what doesn't, because God is saying, I want you to succeed, because success is where you come to a perfect relationship with me, a relationship of love. Think of parents with a, a young child, say one that is just a toddler still crawling on the floor, but he's just weeks, maybe days away from being able to let go of something and actually start learning to walk. And one day the parents are watching their child the little girl is holding on to the edge of the table. She's kind of wobbling back and forth. She takes one hand off, and she gets out, and she lets go with the other hand and falls flat over on her back, wiggling and can't get up. Now, what does the loving parent do at that moment? Does the loving parent run over, pick the child up by the scruff of the neck, and go, this one's no good. Let's go back to the hospital and see if we can get one that works. No, the loving parent rushes over and says good try, good try, how brave of you to let go. Here, let mom and dad walk with you and hold your hand and then we'll let go and then you'll walk. God is not going to say, "Ah, eh, you made a mistake, you're done. God is going to look at you and say, my child, good try. Or maybe even bad try, but let me show you better and when God shows us better, He says, look to Jesus Christ, this is my love incarnate. We also, too often, we think about what do I need to bring into my life that will make me a better person? And very often, instead of judging, what is the moral, ethical, spiritual, deep heartfelt value of the thing that I want to bring into my life? What we do instead is we look at it and say, oh that's pretty and it sparkles and it glitters and nobody else has one, I'll be the only one who has one, I'll be special because of this. There's a song, country western song called The Snake, I want to share something of it with you. Don't worry, I'm not going to sing it, I'm just going to recite a few pieces of it. I might get you all to sing it one day, I love the song. It says a woman's coming home from work. It's cold, it's getting dark. She passes by the lake near where she lives and she sees over in all the sort of cold darkness and shadows this beautiful, colored, gorgeous snake. But it's almost frozen to death in the cold. And the snake cries out to her and says, "Tenderhearted woman, take me into your warm cottage. I'm about to die. Well, she looks at it, she goes, it's so beautiful, it's, it's shiny, the mouth almost looks like a smile, and without thinking, it's a snake. What's a tropical snake doing in the snow? She doesn't really question and look, she just says, it's beautiful, I want to have it, I'm going to take it in. And she brings the snake into her home, she sets it by the fire, covers it with a blanket, brings it bowls of milk and honey. The next day she has to go to work, but she rushes home, she throws open the door, and there's the snake, totally revived and more beautiful than ever. And she rushes to it so glad that she saved it, so glad that she brought the snake in, and she picks it up and holds it to her breast, and it bites her viciously. Now hold that for just a moment. It bites her viciously. People, think about all the things you do in your life. How many of you have closets that are filled with things you bought thinking, this will make me happy, this will make my life better, and all it did was start filling up the shelves on the top of the closet? How many things do we look at at life that are of a spiritual nature? Think of Mary coming to, with Joseph to present the child in the temple. Here we all are this morning in the temple. And yet, I know if you're like me, I get up some mornings and I spend a lot more time worried about how I'm going to dress and comb my hair than how my heart is adorned and how my soul is arranged. I told Mother Kate and Father John some years ago when Bishop Catherine Roskam was still here, I had just started coming to this church and I liked it. And one morning I went out, beautiful summer day, Started to get in the car and I looked around and I said, you know, I got so much accomplished yesterday in the yard and it's so beautiful today, maybe I'll just have church here at home. I won't go to the, to the big church. And as I said that, I stopped and I looked around the street and I went, if I don't go to church, everybody on the street knows that I'm a priest. They'll see the car sitting here in the driveway, what will the neighbors think? if if they know, Father, didn't go to church this morning. Now, if my main motivation for going to church is what will the neighbors think if I don't, then I maybe should stay home and give some thought to what's motivating me to go to church. What I'm saying is we have so much in life where we look at the cosmetics instead of looking what's deep inside. God has said to you all your life, You are highly favored because the King of the universe, the God who is love, loves you and wishes to do great things for you. How do we know what it is? Look to Jesus. Look in the scriptures. Look to the prophets, the writing of the mystics. So many things that you've heard in your life from teachers, and they teach you best without words. I learned from my mother and father so many things that they never spoke a word, they just said watch what I do. And I learned that there was independence, there was forgiveness, there was self-reliance, self-sufficiency, there was kindness and joy, all these things by looking to the example of my parents. And if my parents, sinners that they were, could teach me all of that, think what will happen if you bring the love of Jesus Christ into your lives. Where do you start? Some of you may go, I don't know where to start in the Bible. I don't understand theology. It's all so complicated. Something I loved with a kid. We got enough people in here. I think we can do it. So Father John's over there by himself. Turn to the person closest to you and take their hand. Just for a moment. Jesus Christ told us, that he lives in every one of us. You are holding the hand of God's love. You are holding the hand of Christ. You may, you may let go now. But don't let go forever. The person whose hand you held, when you go to coffee hour, why don't you come up to them and maybe say to them, I held your hand today, but I don't even know what your name is. My name's Lee, who are you? You will find Christ in them and in your relationship with them. And remember, it is those things of the Spirit, not the pretty glittery baubles that we need to bring in. They distract us. People, pay attention to yourselves. You're getting ready to go into Lent. Lent is a time when we act as a community together. Now remember that snake? That woman who thought, oh, what a beautiful thing to bring into my life. Well, the song tells us at the end she brings the snake to her breast, she clutches it, and she's filled with joy to have this beautiful new friend in her life, and it bites her viciously. And the song continues. You bit me, cried the woman. You bit me. Why? Oh, why? You know your bite is poisonous, and now I'm going to die. Oh, shut up, silly woman, said that reptile with a grin. You knew full well I was a snake before you took me in. Think about that. And remember the temple where you are presenting the Christ that is being born out of you is not this place of bricks and mortar, it is the entire creation. Before the human race ever walked the face of the earth, God had prepared his temple. When you go out that door, you will be in that temple. Let the Christ be born and present him. And if you forget to do it, God will forgive you and give you another chance. All he's asking is, take it seriously. Pay attention to yourselves.